Hi, my name is Michael Poli, and I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My friends are obsessed and always make jokes and references to it. And so now, 20 years later, I've been convinced to watch the show from beginning to end, one episode a week. I'm a Buffy virgin. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Buffy Virgin. My name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've never seen any of Buffy the Vampire Slayer except all the way up to Season 3, Episode 11, Gingerbread. And today we have on the show uh, John Landis, a Buffy enthusiast and teacher. Hello. We have Travis. Hey, everyone. Dennis St. John, an amazing horror comics cartoonist. Happy 2018, fuckers. And a very special guest, Elizabeth Kozup. Hi. So Elizabeth is my wife, but she's more than just that. She's also a super fan of Buffy and urban fantasy and fantasy literature in general. So I'm very excited to have her on the show. Now, Elizabeth, can you tell us what is your, when did you first see Buffy? When did you lose your Buffy virginity? So Buffy was definitely part of my, um, like it was a part of my high school, but only peripherally. Like I, a lot of my friends are really into Buffy. And so because of that, I would see episodes on occasion, but I never was like a Buffy fan. And I do remember though, seeing this episode um, when I was in high school. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be on this particular, uh, this particular episode today. But I really watched them about two years ago. So I kind of sat down and watched like everything. I binged it pretty, pretty heavily about two years ago. And I also did Angel at the same time. So that's kind of when I really got into it. Although, again, familiar since high school, which was the 90s. Is that um, when Michael first got his forced glimpse, uh, glimpses at Buffy? Is that he- part of the secret origin of this podcast? That's probably a little bit to do with it. I think also um, having to do with Travis and I were probably talking about episodes of Buffy while I was watching it. And then Michael was finally like, oh, God, I should just watch this. And that's probably <laughs> I mean, I was literally be in the same room, but just tuning them out while they had their <laughs> Buffy and Grimm conversations. Little did you know that, like, your not knowing about it would be held against you in a point system. <laughs> This well, episode has a little bit of a grim joke in it. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to get started then with the summary of the episode. And then, of course, we'll get into great lines, uh, then weird noticings, trivia, questions for the group, themes, predictions, a kill count, and recommendations. So we'll get started first with the summary of the episode. It's a school night. Buffy's out on patrol. Just a normal evening, struggling with the undead, running across the corpses of children. Except that this time, Buffy's mom has invited herself along. Uh, mom. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Buffy will research the triangle wearing an upside down mustache symbol from the children's hands and hopefully find a clue as to what's going on. Next day, like a total square, Buffy's mom is still acting all traumatized because she saw a couple dead bodies of a couple small children. She blames the occult. That is, She blames the occult in general, not just the monsters, but the witches and the slayers too. She forms a parents group, the Mothers Opposed to the Occult, or Moo for short. Under the new authority of Moo, the school begins a literal witch hunt, searching lockers for spellcasting materials and confiscating Giles' books, and Willow's witchy friend Amy is sent to the principal's office for questioning. Back home, Buffy's mother dishes out some tough love. She is not permitted to spend time with that witchy Willow anymore. 
Joyce thinks it's, you know, great that Buffy wants to fight evil, but Sunnydale just doesn't seem to be improving. Buffy's just reacting to evil as she sees it, and it's bound to be fruitless. Offended by this characterization of her slayage, Buffy storms off to patrol again. As soon as she is out of the room, the ghosts of the murdered children reappear and urge Joyce to continue with her moo activities and to hurt the bad people. Giles and the rest of the gang struggle to conduct research without access to books and without access to Willow, who has been grounded by her moother. Nevertheless, <laughs> they determine that the murdered children actually seem to come from nowhere. They have no names, no families, and have in fact reappeared every 50 years to sow suspicion and turmoil. The anti-occult climate reaches fever pitch in Sunnydale. Gothy teens are being attacked in the streets. Cordelia's mother confiscates all of her back clothes. And now, a completely insane Joyce successfully manages to drug Buffy for a good old-fashioned witch burning. Willow, Amy, and Buffy are tied up as tinder and kindling are gathered. <laughs> Rather than be burned alive, Amy repeats a spell that she learned from her mother and transforms herself into a rat, leaving Willow and Buffy to broil. <laughs> Luckily, the rest of the game descends on the burning at the last minute. Cordelia putting out the flames with the mysterious fire hose. I don't know why it's mysterious. Oz and Xander hopefully Judd Nelsoning their way into the room, and Giles using magic to reveal the true form of the ghost children, a gigantic monster with nipples, fangs, and boils. Buffy handily throat stabs the monster, and all is well. Of course, Amy is still a rat. Oh well, new pet! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> ah, so Amy, good. Excellent summary. Thank you. Ooh, there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just be saying that now for weeks. Uh, so let's get started with great lines. What are some of the most fun lines that you enjoyed the most in the episode? Uh, I'll start with my favorite. It's uh, Xander and Buffy dialogue. Xander says, Look, I'm getting sick of the judgment. The innuendos. Is a man not innocent until proven guilty? Buffy. You are guilty. You got illicit smoochies. Gonna have to pay the price. Uh, Travis, I see you next on this here. Oh yeah, Xander, uh, Xander says, oh man, it's Nazi Germany and I've got Playboys in my locker, which is so inappropriate <laughs> on so many levels. Um, another one I liked was when uh, Willow's mom said to Buffy, oh, hi, bunny. And she says it again. <laughs> yeah. And then finally to call back to Mike's frustration with Giles getting hit on the head so many times, Cordelia says to Giles, took you long enough, she slaps him awake, took you long enough to wake up. My hand hurts. Things are way out of control. I came over and found you all, all unconscious again. How many times have you been knocked out anyway? <laughs> I swear, one of these times you're going to wake up in a coma. Wake he, up in a coma? Yeah, he loves that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. Oh, beautiful. Um, this episode is just perfect like, for even more than usual, just packed with really good, weird dialogue. Um, my first three here are all from like just a five minute section yeah. where everybody uses the same, like uses kind of the same gag of like just repeating words a lot. And it just keeps working because it's really funny. So I have from Cordelia, I doubt your doubt. Amy is a witch and Michael is whatever a boy witch is. <laughs> um, and then I have from Xander talking about Oz. So he's like, it's more uh, verbal, nonverbal. He speaks volumes with his eyes. Uh, that was very slashy, I thought. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and then Willow has the, just very impressive that they could get this out. A doodle. I do doodle. You too. You do doodle too. <laughs> That's an amazing line. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, and then Willow also had a bunch when she was talking to her mom. She's like, I'm not an age group. I'm me. Willow group. And um, when she's getting angry at her mom, she's like, 
doesn't believe her that she's a witch and she's like do you see any goats around no because i sacrificed them <laughs> i love those i kind of glommed onto that same idea it's like as it, like she's talking about her powers or her burgeoning powers and she's like i can summon the four elements well two but four soon and i just think it's like makes me wonder like which two can you summon and have we seen them yet i think um, she i think she can summon fire i think there was a comment about her accidentally setting like right. a small fire in her bed a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah. um and then this is uh this is really where snyder kind of uh has this is like snyder's joyous experience right here where he finally gets to like rain down terror on his high school and on his students um so the um this is a glorious day for principals everywhere no pathetic whining about students rights just a long row of lockers and a man with a key and then uh as they're confiscating all of giles books like i love the smell of desperate librarian in the morning <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing quote <laughs> uh, is... paperbacks and fear <laughs> oh gosh uh yeah i think snyder is in his element in this particular episode because we're finally able to truly persecute those mangy children so i just want to plug in i think I, in my mind i call this episode the fan fiction episode because so much weird stuff happens it's like it's fan fiction to me at least it is weird and i have a prediction about how i don't think they'll m even remember this happened <laughs> like, like uh but we can get into it uh in questions and themes so let's get started with uh, weird noticings and trivia this is all the weird fun interesting stuff that we want to talk about that we noticed in this episode so uh starting out here with uh dennis you're the first weird noticing uh i said buffy having to parent her mom also the same playground drusilla tried to kill that kid on um just in the opening scene um once but once joyce finds the dead bodies that like the they do the role reversal thing and buffy has to be like it'll be okay and you know uh starts to set up the themes about parents about parenting in this episode um Oh yeah, I can't wait to talk about that because I feel like that's something that you do as a kid. You totally want to protect your parents from your the world, and which is a weird situation. But because of the way, anyway, how they treat us, we'll get into it. John, you have the next thing here about a doll that I, I didn't notice. Well, we talked about this so back in way back in season two, episode eleven. Uh, there's that, that's I only have eyes for you where the school is haunted. And one of the things that happens is that a monster hand reaches out of Xander's locker. And we talked about this in that episode that we get a really brief glimpse of Xander's locker. And he has a novelty voodoo doll, which I have this exact same voodoo doll. It's from Archie McPhee. But Xander has it hanging in his locker from a noose, which is a weird thing to have in your locker. Uh, but they confiscate it in this episode, and we see it. This is from Xander. It's not acknowledged in this episode that it's from Xander's locker, but if you pay very close attention to season mm -hmm. three, episode 11, you know that it's from Xander's locker. I, know, I noticed that also, but I wondered if, because they hadn't gotten to Xander's locker yet, because we see mm -hmm. that before he says this stuff about having Playboys, if that's just a thing going on in Sunnydale of a lot of voodoo dolls. Oh, it's like a fad? Like, yeah. it's, like it's like having a Furby or something? <laughs> Well, we didn't go through like a voodoo doll episode, really. I mean, with the exception of the witch, I guess there was kind of a doll, but it's like, doll, it, yeah. but it didn't sweep the high school. Like there wasn't like a hysteria around voodoo dolls yet. But as we pointed out in season two, episode 11, Sunnydale is the worst place to have a joke. Because um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that shit can get real, real fast. <laughs> So uh, just want to point this out. Amy's on the team now, apparently, like in Cordelia's spot at the lunch table. When did this shit happen? I, did I miss a memo? Uh, no, I, 
I've been trying to point out because of this episode, I've been trying to point out whenever Amy gets mentioned. And so Willow occasionally mentions Amy the witch, right? So I think it's just been this building thing of like, Willow actually has friends outside of the Scooby gang and it's uh, Amy and Michael, the boy witch. Oh, he's lovely. I feel like there's a whole parallel TV show here, or at least a comic book about just the Coven's adventures, like with Buffy not showing up. Do you mean the cyber coven? (laughs) (laughs) Where's Jenny Calendar? Cyber Coven's such a good band name. Uh, Dennis, you have the next thing here. Oh, just when um, Buffy is upset that her mom is at the school and she's like, you know, this this is about this. And like, my world, it just reminded me of in Seinfeld when George is like, my worlds are colliding. Say goodbye to independent George. <laughs> Actually, along that, along that note, you know, uh, Buffy's upset about her mom coming in. Will is upset because her mom like never pays attention to her. And then we kind of see Amy just go, mm, yeah. <laughs> That's a really, I forgot to put that in the notes. Yeah. yeah, they cut to Amy about moms. It's so like, subtle. Eh. I, uh, poor Amy. Yeah. Yeah, who has the worst mom stories? <laughs> like, this is why we always say you have to watch season one. <laughs> I'd be lost on if you didn't. Uh, Oh, yeah, I guess talking about Willow's friends, I guess we kind of... Yeah, I just think it's nice she has friends outside of the main group, even if it's a coven. Um. So, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, um, I love Joyce's speech about the town's fucked up silence and commitment to silence. Uh, It's amazing, and it reveals so much about what's going on in the show, and it's amazing that anyone is even aware, apparently, that there are terrible things going on. It's like the first kind of announced... uh, revelation that oh yeah we we are looking in the mirror we're aware this stuff is happening and it's so powerful <laughs> given that we've never heard anything like this anyway great speech um and more it's, on that later i think yeah we'll get into it for sure um and uh it should be like motto or something right not moo right That's i think it should a good be point. motto is so much better <laughs> i think it should be parents opposed to the occult so it's poo <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pato works too, but yeah, no, there's... I, I think we're all in for poo. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it only going to be moms? Or Pato or Mato. Uh, Dennis, you got the next here. Uh, I, I don't know what you mean by... Um, oh, oh, just the um, uh, when Willow's mom comes in and Joyce and Giles are talking and they're like, I haven't seen you since the... Uh, so it's been a while. And she's like, I heard a rumor. What about us? Uh, oh, yeah. Just uh, once again, confirm, confirming Mike's predictions oh. that they're not going to acknowledge what happened, but it happened. Oh, yeah. And I love that Giles is so anxious that they're about to talk about that. And clearly they're gathered for something so different But uh, when you're guilty, right? It's yeah. so good. He's sweating bullets there. Um, and then the mayor, the mayor gets up to speak. Uh, and it's just kind of interesting because this is the first time we've seen the mayor. Um, like in a group, in a larger setting. And we know he's evil, but nobody else does yet, you know? This is the only time he's actually marrying, like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I discovered recently that um, the mayor is in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. He's in Tin Man, he's the psychic that, that only blew likes- my mind when you told me that, Dennis. It's a, uh, cause I have seen that episode many, many times. I remember that character very well. And yeah, I, 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 never, I never put it together, together. yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably be hearing a Star Trek sound. Uh, those are those are cues for when Star Trek is discussed, and I notice it. Anyway. 
Uh, you can also drink. Uh, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Travis, you have the next here. Oh yeah, it was it was funny to see uh, the people who are hassling. Uh, what is the boy's wish name again? I forget. Michael. Michael. It's Michael? Oh, that was confusing. Um, and then they're, they're hassling him, and they're wearing varsity letter jackets, so they're definitely a sports team. And sports are evil. Organized yeah. sports. Yeah. Buffy hates sports. That is Buffy definitely a pattern. But then they, they're also all afraid of Buffy when she shows up, which is – Yeah, I love, I love that Buffy is so out in the open by season three. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, the whole, the days of like pretending you're not the Slayer are so over. And, like she doesn't even say like, "What about me?" She just like walks over, and they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's rad. That felt really good. Uh, that was like the when people think of this show as like a you know female positive show that's like a feminist show. Like that moment really does it. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Dennis, I guess talking about just witches. I said there are a lot of witches in the school when they're um, busting through the lockers. Just like, it's not just Amy, Willow, and Michael. It's like a lot of people have like mysterious bags. This is a fucking cult school, a cult school, man. That's because you have to have the occult to protect yourself in Sunnydale. I figure the interest in the occult is like jacked up in Sunnydale. Yeah, well, totally. it's, it's normal for people to be obsessed with mythological practices. You know, it's normal. At this age group to <laughs> identify <laughs> Um, I just I like the I like the feeling of righteous anger towards these people violating our rights to lockers. You know, I, I think this episode does it well. I feel it. I think I had the next one, but uh, I thought Buffy didn't trust Willow as much as she should have at first. But I rewatched it and thought, yeah, she she trusts Willow. What Willow's saying that that she, that it was a you know, fine that it was a peaceful sign. But initially, I thought, eh, Buffy should trust Willow a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just Buffy's following the clues and they yeah. lead to Willow, which surprises her. But yeah, she should immediately have 100% trust in Willow. Willow's earned it. Uh, Dennis, I think you have the next year about uh, the school library collection. Oh, yeah. I say maybe Snyder and Joyce have a reasonable que question about the school library co collection. Yeah. Uh, totally. All Giles' personal collection, right? So, like, but don't bring it to work. I don't bring my dirty books to work. Well, apparently Xander does too. So there's a <laughs> an issue. But Giles has to get his his unofficial work done officially at work. I just yeah. think you know that the mayor conf or it's like in the confiscated in the city hall. So it seems like you can't really just take somebody's like private property, personal property, right? Yeah. No, it's super weird, and that he would have all of these important occult books available at the school for the school to use. Of course, there's going to be a witch problem. Like part of it is the access to these books. At the if library. only there was some kind of like locked structure within the library where you <laughs> those books. Oh, if only. Not so smart, smart book guy. <laughs> but they don't mention, mention the tranquilizer gun or all the other weird. <laughs> that's, all, that's all normal. Yeah, where's the weapons stuff? They, never, they didn't notice any of that, that's true. <laughs> He's got like a mace. <laughs> like a medieval times mace. <laughs> That's true. I've I've never thought about that for some reason. <laughs> uh Travis, you want to talk about Willow's haircut? Oh yeah. I did not notice Willow's haircut. She just cut the length, but the style didn't change very much. So I don't know, just a funny thing where Mike made fun of me for noticing Buffy's haircut. No, I mean, it's this I didn't notice either. It was just yeah, like I a weird, it 
you know, it was just weird evidence about Willow's broken relationship with her mom. But like, same, I've seen the same here the whole time. But we're not Elizabeth, Willow's parents. True. Uh, Elizabeth, you have the next kind of observation here. Yeah, I noticed usually Giles is really hesitant to say who he thinks did what. Like, it's almost like pulling teeth. Sometimes he'll like put a book down and run away and we won't get to understand what exactly, who done it. And we're like all waiting. And this one, he immediately calls out the occult and he immediately calls out witches um, as being the potential perpetrators. And I think he he does a little bit to like foment the, the unrest uh, that people are kind of seeing for this. Whereas like, I mean, there is something to be said about his reticence that he usually experiences. Mm. And then, uh, you have, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's part of the, the the Hansel Gretel spell is like to announce these to to see these lines and announce them early. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, Willow's putting together. Is this? I don't know if this this might be the second act, but um, yeah, Willow's putting together this uh, protection spell, but it's like it's a really intense protection spell i mean i don't know a lot about the occult i'm gonna say that but i feel like like the skulls feel really <laughs> sinister to me when putting together a protection spell as a that feels a little bit more um malicious than protective yeah that looked like uh the kind of skull you dig up yourself that didn't look like um the kind you get from a biology class or something it's such a great reveal too when they cut to you know, Willow is a part of this occult group. It's lovely. Um, I, I know, again, I've said this before, but like if uh, my mom or, you know, your mom were to come in and you're like 12 watching this, like this show's never going to be allowed on again. <laughs> that's, what you're, that's what you're watching. I actually have a distinct memory of my dad watching this episode and being like, oh, Willow's evil in this episode? All right. <laughs> your dad knows who Willow is. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, or maybe he didn't say Willow, but he's like, I thought he was, she was her friend. I guess yeah. she's just evil in this episode. That's how those things work, right? And I was like, I, we don't know anything yet, Dad. That's a surprising <laughs> amount of Buffy to be watching, though, even for a dad, I feel like. Yeah. Ah, dad watches a lot of TV. He's watching um, Smilf right now. Uh, it's like a Showtime series. And yeah. he Is was that like, short for like Smurf I'd like to fuck? It's uh, single, single the thing is, Dad was watching like episode six or whatever, and he was like, "I don't know what it stands for. What does it stand for, Dennis?" And I was like, "Uh, I think it stands for a single mother." I'd like to. Oh, <laughs> it is always a weird statement to say in front of your father, even if it's <laughs> even if it's his show. <laughs> Never heard of that show. I do like that they qualified between the regular mothers and the single mothers, so that's nice. That's that's good. True. It's, it's very grown up of them to do that. It's very different than MILF. <laughs> Married mother? Yeah, all, it means, all it means is a new category on Pornhub. So. Uh, it's, it's short for um, Married Moo Mothers. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, moving on, uh, I love watching Giles being forced to use a computer. And uh, I was reminded of like the Harry Dresden character in his like, inability to use technology of course they have like a wizard reason for that in that book but it, uh, it's pretty wonderful giles like eating chips trying to figure something out and like getting angry <laughs> yeah you fad that's right it just like reminds me of like anytime i see uh 
anytime in the 90s, like 10 years ago, seeing my dad lose it about a computer thing and then blaming me for a problem. I'm like, it's the computer one time. <laughs> He's like, it's yeah. slow now. <laughs> That's definitely, I mean, I think we're all maybe only 10 years away from that, right? Like from no longer being able to use new technology. Well, I'm already yelling at my phone like an old man all the time. I definitely see it. I just definitely see it in my office of like the age group difference. And like, there's a certain point where like you stop being able to like intuitively understand new technology and you like get really mad. <laughs> like, well, I guess it's going to happen to me because like I'm human. Everybody else. <laughs> I definitely see it in our house where uh, we have a Google home and where I'll probably, I don't want to trigger it. So I'm not going to say the words, but like on a Google home and like we'll set timers and stuff and the timers keep going and then we both kind of yell at it to shut up <laughs> and just like i can actually whisper into my phone and it's connected over wireless but like my brain thinks the home is over across the house so i yell at it i'm like eh, that's some old man stuff happening yeah this is some black mirror shit you're on the mic here being like <laughs> Got to keep my voice down. My home is well, listening. I can't <laughs> let my home know. You guys know it's the wake word. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you I say it, I won't say it because I'm close enough to it. Yeah. That that it will it will trigger. Like there have been times where, um, like I will be in the basement, Mike will be upstairs, and all of a sudden a timer or something will start going off, and we're like, "How did it go off? It just it it hears you. It hears well, you wherever you are." Nope. It's easy to accidentally set a timer for like. <laughs> years or days you know, <laughs> how we've done it yeah nope. uh, my <laughs> cousins, we have the enterprise computer my I cousins have talking. the uh amazon one and um like her kids are old enough now that the, the robot understands their voice um so it like respond so it'll sometimes you're responding to like kids yelling like multiple kids yelling at the same time and it's like it's frightening and they could very easily like order insane things or like just because they want to hear like it's raining tacos, suddenly tacos can come to the house or something. <laughs> That's and kids' favorite songs now, by the way, is it's raining tacos. Uh, I like that song too. I've never heard it, but it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Ask your machine to play it. <laughs> I'll pause. <laughs> uh, Dennis, do you have the next uh, back around uh, Buffy conversation topic here? uh where are we oh um i say uh, welcome back to the season two game of our buffy and angel dating uh just they have a romantic vibe in the cemetery definitely i like, really i really like it too it's such a, a cute scene oh except for this thing that john's gonna mention <laughs> it's really creepy where uh well they, they do a really cheap joke where uh, like it's like buffy's like uh, it's i'll be like the boy who put his finger in the duck and Angel's like, it's Dyke. And then Buffy does like a really silly, like spit take face. <laughs> which is a really cheap joke. But the, the, the thrust of this joke is that Buffy doesn't know what Dyke means and that Angel's like old and wise and knows what it means. Which is why they should not date each other. Because she's an adult and she's a child. Yeah. It's really clear in that conversation. <laughs> And he immediately understood too, like what she didn't get. Like he jumped right in there. There yeah. was no pause. He's like, it's a damn. Like, <laughs> I, I had a friend who did a comic for a while called Dyke Kitty. That was about a lesbian cat that lived on a dike. Um, it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in an episode of Dyke Kitty? 
I think she only did like one issue, but she got in a fight with her sister, Fashion Kitty, and she went and lived on a dike. Oh, and she had a sex with a dog. <laughs> Confuses the issue about the dike thing. <laughs> well, was it a male or a female dog? I think it was a male. All dogs are male. Oh, right. <laughs> and also Noted. go to heaven. Uh, Dennis, you have the next thing here about how to be a rebel. Oh, I liked Willow's getting really upset with her mom and being like, I'm a rebel. I'm having a rebellion. Uh, well, five seconds much- before that, but, uh, Willow's mom is like, you're only saying this to, pr- pr- you know, to prove that you're special to get attention. And then she immediately does that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes if you're going, if you feel like you're going through a teen rebellion, but it's not being noticed, <laughs> when you're directly stating it, it is a fail of a rebellion. Uh, and then we've got the cyber co- coven comment finally coming up. Oh yeah, Will's mom says cyber coven, and it makes me miss Jenny Calendar. This Aww. episode really feels you feel the the lack of her presence. Um, yeah, Giles really needed her when he's using the computer. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> She, she just probably could have cleared up a lot of stuff real early on, too. But you're right. This wouldn't have even been an adventure. It would have been like, oh, yeah, the Hansel and Gretel children that appear every 50 years. <laughs> I just Googled that last night. <laughs> Let me cast some Google ru- runes on this. <laughs> I think she would have been, like, also on the stake with the rest of them. I don't think that oh, that's we sure. would have corrected it. Yeah. Been like, oh, she's a lady. Which... Um, <laughs> uh, John, you have a thing here about uh, the chloroform? Well, it's just really interesting to me that like the instant Joyce wants to take down Buffy, it's really easy and she just chloroforms her. And I think a lot of this is just the surprise factor of she didn't expect her mom to do violence against her. But I really feel like uh, somebody should tell Spike that chloroform is Buffy's weakness. <laughs> Surprisingly, um, that's their weakness. Which, by the way, we still haven't talked about those children. And like, so clearly they're tangible because they're holding... A bottle of chloroform, clearly marked. No, the chloroform, chloroform. is um, on the staircase. It's on the banister. Oh. And they're hovering by the banister. Oh, they're, they're, he's not holding it? I thought he was holding it. I, I could be wrong. And chloroform's illegal in this country, isn't it? Mm. You can't just know. get it. Doctor? But no, you, you definitely can't just buy it. You got to make it. But you can make it. But <laughs> okay. it's not like you go to a shop and buy some chloroform. There's a, there's a funny <laughs> episode of the community where they are using chloroform. Uh, I recommend that if you like chloroform humor. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they keep trying to knock somebody out and they keep making mistakes. So like, all right, we'll do it right this time. And the guy's like, wait a second, but why are you here? And they're like, ah! <laughs> My sister was in Brazil doing science with Brazilian scientists. And uh, one of her uh, like lab coworkers stole some chloroform because they still use that, I guess, in Brazil to, to put the mice out. But one of her lab partners stole it, get high. Wow. Uh, really freaked my sister out that that was apparently a, like, a cool thing to do in Brazil, or at least the one person it was. Did she join? No, she did not. Oh, at least okay. that's the version of the story my sister told me. Maybe in real life, who knows? Mm. I don't think so. We'll have her on the show one time when we can yeah. grow her. She's a big fan. Yeah, we definitely got to ask this question. <laughs> Make sure that she's on sodium pentothal when we ask, though. <laughs> so, so Buffy can see the kids, but only when she's on chloroform? It's like only when she's about to pass out? <laughs> What's going on with that? Um, I don't know. I feel like the they can control when the the kids can control who they're revealing themselves to and stuff. That's what I think. Because um, Joyce can clearly see him. Right, and they're even in the room 
I guess when Buffy is going to, you know, to confront her mom earlier, uh, you know, about the insanity, uh, when she, they've got the never again posters everywhere, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And like they cut out to the like act break and like the two kids are saying, you're doing a great job. Joyce. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so the next thing here, I it seems like there's a missed opportunity to find out if people are witches by doing witch tests. Uh, I guess finding a witch thing in your locker is enough. I mean, I, I don't... They're doing the Salem Witch Trials thing-ish, but they're not going all in on Salem Witch Trials in a way that they could. It's definitely like more mass hysteria, and then they jump to the conclusion, and then it's like... And we'll probably talk about this more, but... There's a lot of due process missing in this particular episode. I think we'll probably get into that, but it's not just the witch test oh, yeah. as the only thing that we are using to then. I mean, where's this police investigation going, right? Like, <laughs> like it's the even... police in Sunnydale, they're deeply stupid. They're only available for uh, looting lockers, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth, you uh, have but yeah, that would have been an, int an intense scene of like them like stabbing somebody for like to see if they bleed as a witch test or drowning willow or whatever like yeah that would have Look, been looking for the witch nipple yeah. yeah uh so elizabeth you have the next two here uh so yeah where are the police or any particular person of authority and it? it's just a bunch of i mean it's clearly just moo or poo um that's together like dealing with this there's nobody and somehow they have access to city hall to do this uh which leads me to the next point it's like why are they burning people inside yeah, they're burning people incredibly crazy <laughs> i like they're yeah they're clearly already bonkers to do this in the first place but then they're like you know what let's do a good old-fashioned burning we'll do it inside city hall and uh, uh, Oz and Xander in the air ducts during that burning would totally just die. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Like, I don't know where Xander and Oz are after this last adventure, but like, we haven't seen oh, them. Wait a second, though, because <laughs> like if, that's, if, that's a, if that's an outlet duct, and there's like a positive airflow of fresh air coming through that duct from the other side, and it's pushing smoke out, maybe, it might be safe. So then, but then that room would be really smoky, right? Yes. Well, I, yes, the room should be full. Of, well, they're in, regardless of the HVAC situation, they're, they have three <laughs> massive bonfires in. <laughs> Dennis, you have the next uh, four uh, kind of comments here. Uh, I say, uh, who needs a push-up bra when you have steak and rope? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Nobody likes my cleavage talk on this event. This I like it. Yeah, she was very. That should be a segment. Sarah Michelle Gellar's cleavage, like every this episode, has part. a different has a different. Component. It has its ups and downs. The boob room with Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's a noticeable part noticeable part of the show, and I feel like you guys get upset whenever I bring it up, but it's there. It's clearly designed to be. It's it's front and center. That's right. This, they're not hiding it. They're not hiding it. They're making it quite obvious every time. Like, you notice her boobs for a reason. That's and you right. can definitely tell that they, again, stake in a rope better than a push up bra. Totally accurate. I feel like next time I go out, I'm just going to get a stake in a rope. <laughs> Forget about a bra. This is the Salem style. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for being on this podcast. You're welcome. Anytime. Really putting the tit in Tituba. <laughs> Uh, so then I say, are those Giles' books being burned? 
Um, I don't know if they are or not. Uh, I assume his books were being held there, right? I think we're meant to believe they are. That said, they looked like most of his books are these like massive manuscript things that they go through and they look just like novels. Yeah, I didn't see any like leather bound uh, books in those piles or 13th yeah, century. That's going to be a big problem for Giles later. Like, yeah. And if it uh, wasn't, what the hell is it? <laughs> it's just, I guess maybe a lot of books were confiscated, not just from the school library, but maybe those are the public library books. <laughs> um, I say, uh, I love Cordelia with a fire hose. I just, she's really funny, like getting way into spraying the people while Willow is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> And like in general, that I like that Cordelia goes through an arc this see, this episode of like at first she's on the mob's side, and then she only turns when it like affects her directly, right? Yeah, uh, Cordelia. Uh, and then I say second comically large staking of the season. Uh, the first is um, when they use the two by four on Tostitos or kissing toast. Tostitos. Um, and uh, this this one is even larger in the neck too that's like ah. there was also that staking where i think they got two guys at once or something yeah, that was kind the of umbrella crazy. stand yeah. yeah i almost considered that one but then i was like i actually think that one's pretty badass not comical <laughs> but um yeah. what did you think about this monster dennis because you always have monster opinions He's only um, on for like three shots. Yeah, it was only on for three shots. I thought it was good monster makeup. Uh, I do kind of like the thing of this episode is about something else other than the demon, right? And the demon is just this weird thing facilitating it. Right. Um, I mean, I, you know, I have a lot of questions about how, the, how this thing works, whether the two kids can like separate or not, like what the physics, the, the magic physics of it are, but... Um, Right. I think and the makeup they, looks really good. They eventually are named from the 1650s, but like, was that the original demon? Was that like... Yeah, the demon itself doesn't get a name, just the kids get our Hansel and Gretel. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right, well, we're going to move on then to questions for the group. Speaking of questions... Uh, so this section, we just have uh, kind of more general questions that this episode inspired. So questions for the group. So my first one here, uh, did your parents ever try to awkwardly take an interest in your hobbies? Uh, I actually can say uh, my parents, no, have never taken interest <laughs> in my hobbies. They've tried to create my hobbies, but not take an interest in my, my the hobbies I cultivated on my own. So like my parents definitely tried to direct me towards singing a lot when I was in high school uh, towards piano and theater. And I mean, I like those things, but like, I think I was more, I felt more directed towards those things. Like those were those classes my parents set up for me. Oh, you're going to go to this theater camp, you know, that kind of thing. But you were good at all those things though, Mike. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. his parents were right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was a little bit directed into those things. So I, but I never had that moment though, where Buffy has, where mom's like, I'm taking interest in your thing. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely have. I have a really distinct memory of like in middle school, my dad being like, so tell me the entire history of Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> First uh, of all, that's a, that's a tall order for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and that later turned out to be a trick to be like, see, Dennis, you can pay attention. You should be doing better in history class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a dirty trick. Uh, but I think when parents pay attention, it's dirty tricks. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, my, my folks tried to pay attention to me and stuff. Mom, <laughs> my mom would always um, do things like, uh, like I really liked The Tick, you know? And so for years she would quote, Spoon! And it was always like Aww. a little embarrassing. It's like, have people over for dinner and she'd be like, Spoon! <laughs> I don't remember her doing that, but that's really sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was one of those, I did a I was basically involved in, um, like, I was involved in so many extracurriculars. Um, and I think in general, like, that was just, re, like, my parents were just glad that I wasn't around the house. Um, and so the, it was more just like, oh, good, like, she's busy doing her thing. And I was a good kid, like, so... I didn't, I didn't really get into trouble. I was just constantly busy. And as long as I was, as long as I kept it up, then yeah, they didn't really ask a lot of questions. The one times that the times that they would, I think it's like, like what Dennis said is like when they're trying to make a point, like, um, like I remember my dad pulling me out one day and asking me questions about geometry and I hated it. I was totally getting a D um, and like basically uh, pulled me aside to talk about like some, uh, marching band stuff. By the way, marching band was like a requirement. If you wanted to play, be in music, you had to be in marching band. It was talking about, it's like, well, you can march and you can do these, you can do these steps and make these formations. Why can't you be better at geometry? And I was like, I don't think that they are totally, that there's total parody in these ideas, but thanks. <laughs> if I had a geometry coach who was like, <laughs> take three steps, turn right. <laughs> exactly. That's like the, that's like the dorky version of like, see, Hip hop is poetry. It's like <laughs> marching band is just geometry with a rhythm. Like, you know who is the world's greatest rapper? William Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, John, you're so up in the teaching game. <laughs> what about you, John? You have a cool dad. Uh, yeah, my parents are really cool to the, I don't think this question applies to me because I took an interest in my parents' hobbies, not the other way around. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. the script. John flipped the script early on. Because like, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like most of my interests are versions of my parents' interests that I got from them, I think. Um, Your dad's out circuit bending stuff? Uh, my dad did. You know, my, my dad did do electronics in college for a little while. He majored in that, and uh, that did actually help me get into doing electronics. Uh, you know, my dad brought the first computer home, and you know, got me excited about technology. Uh, you know, my mom's like an artist, and so like any interest in art I had was pretty facilitated by the fact that my mom was always like bringing arty farty types around and poets and stuff to the house. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mainly took an interest in my parents' hobbies, not the other way around. You never went through, you're like, I'm all about business now, mom. No, I never had one of those. Liz did that. My sister did that. Uh, my sister went through like a rebellious, like preppy phase um, for a little while. Oakwood uh, will facilitate that. Yes, it will. <laughs> uh, not for me though. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I never rebelled against my parents because they're too cool. All right, Travis, how yeah. about you? Yeah, no, my, parent, my parents took an interest in, in my swimming. Um, so yeah. Um, he also facilitated my nerdy interests with uh, Star Wars and video games. There were definitely facilitators there. But 
didn't like ask questions about it, but <laughs> right. They're like, here's a Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Uh, not, not facilitating. So next big question uh, from Dennis. Uh, what's the story with people getting skinned in this town? Uh, during Joyce's speech, she's like, how many of us have lost a friend who just disappeared or neck ruptures or getting skinned? <laughs> Go fish. Getting skinned. Go fish. Oh. Go fish. Yeah, Go fish, fish, baby. There. Yeah. I was... I was like, I don't recall that coming up very much. But, I think yeah, no fish. Joyce herself got a, a neck rupture, right? Uh, she got stabbed with a barbecue, barbecue? fork. Yep. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh, man, it's amazing. <laughs> I, wish, I wish she mentioned, would have mentioned Pat. And she's like, I have this best friend. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why didn't she mention Pat? That's a good point. Or, or Ritter, right? Like, or Ted. Yeah, Ted. Uh, she's still, does she know Ted's a robot? He would the guy who just disappeared, right? I think oh, yeah. she knew he was a robot, didn't Buffy? She didn't in that, no, she didn't in that episode because Joyce didn't know yet about the world, but um, she might at this point. After Buffy found out that, or after Joyce found out Buffy was the Slayer, do you think that they had like a mother-daughter conversation to revisit the Ted story? Because I feel like that's got to make all kinds of new sense to Joyce upon rethinking about it. Like, Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the the whole idea is like, this is a thing though, like the parents don't talk about it. Like right. it's just completely close your eyes, pretend it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's definitely one of the themes. Of the Selective story. amnesia. Yeah. So uh, next question, uh, Willow's mom is in this episode. What do we think of Willow's mom? I thought this was such an interesting character because it feels in a way like, it feels like it's almost like a stock character, but I don't know that there's a ton of representation of this where like Willow's mom apparently is some kind of academic. Um, I guess she's in, she's in psychology would be her field, but she yeah. clearly like studies child development and intellectualizes her kid and wants to talk about her child's development, but has no actual interest in her own child, which is a really interesting thing. Yeah, so she's yeah. like clearly a hypocrite, which is yeah. a lovely, simple character, right? Where she, yeah, she studies a thing and she can talk about it. And I mean, it's, it's really funny to see her so objective about her kid's stuff where she's like, oh, you're into this stuff. It's just kind of icky. I wish she was something a little less gross, but it makes sense you'd be into this stuff. Yeah. Oh, and the whole thing of like her not knowing Buffy's name feels very yeah. like frustrating and real, right? Yeah, that, that, that stuff felt really real. I was a little annoyed by the like the trope of the tiresome feminist who like over intellectualizes things. And when she comes down on Mr. Rogers, I, that felt like a really tired joke to me. Um, it's also like 50% of the jokes on Community which is why like, I couldn't enjoy that show as much as maybe some people. I, I, that was a laugh out loud joke for me, that Mr. Rogers thing. That came uh, out of nowhere for me. It was so good. <laughs> I, I mean, really I guess, love Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I'd say it wasn't so much the content of that joke as like the reference was so powerful. Like, uh, it was fantastic. It made me feel much more stronger connection to Willow. Like, oh yeah, we're peers sort of. Uh, yeah. I probably can't ask this. I mean, do we even see, have we, have we seen her mom before? No. And like, and I don't, I mean. Well, I've already written it down my predictions. So you're welcome to say it. I don't think Willow's mom, uh, it, well, I think she's going to continue to ignore Willow 
but like i don't know i don't think she's going to come back and be in another episode that's a good have prediction. we seen her father before no this is the first parent outside of uh buffy's parents okay and uh mike has an outstanding tr- uh uh prediction about never seeing xander's parents right but i don't think you said willow's parents he hasn't said yeah either way about willow's parents there's been predictions about Willow's pets, but not about her parents. <laughs> well, which I lost, all right? The yeah, fish, you lost that one. Yeah, yeah the fish are gone. Yep. I like your point about the, the overall intellectualization of the, her mom being this feminist character, that it's like, um, she also, though, doesn't ever let her daughter finish a sentence. Like, right. she interrupts every single thing that she says, and it's like, you know, she's, she might just be a bad feminist, she could just be a bad person. <laughs> there is that. Yeah, I think she's just a bad person. I just, I, do, I just, I think that there's, there, there is a trope on TV about tiresome feminists who like sort of ruin things by overanalyzing them. And I think it's, it's not a joke that's funny anymore to me. Yeah. Probably wasn't funny in the 90s either. Yeah. Uh, so any other Willow thoughts or move on? Willow's mom thoughts? Uh, I want to talk about parents more, but not about Willow's mom specifically. Perfect. So um, I have a question here that's just like, what, how does this monster work? Right? <laughs> so like, I don't fully understand the Hansel and Gretel monster. So as I understand it, and Dennis, please, this is like a you and me, let's figure this out. All right. There's a monster that manifests either as or creates two kids who are dead. They're dead bodies or that, that lie still and can appear dead. And then it, chooses a person or persons in order to uh, lead a cause to get revenge for the murder of those two kids, a warrantless murder. Yeah. Uh, and it give, it manifests and gives instructions to a person about what to do. And then, yeah, it guides. Uh, and then it guides and then gains power somehow from, or just for the sheer pleasure of having mass hysteria of some kind happen where people are murdered. So it's like trying to create a world where people, you know, are murdered. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's, it's like, just, go ahead, sorry. Uh, so it must, it must feed, it feeds on like either like the feelings that, of mass hysteria that the crowd gives it, or it feeds off the deaths of innocent people. Um, uh, and it's weird to me that it's like so focused on being like, I, I I like the thing of that they're Hansel and Gretel and it's a twist on the Hansel and Gretel tale. So instead of like the witch being the bad guy, it's that the kids were never really real to begin with. Right. Um, but like, so this demon is only Hansel and Gretel. So like, it's not, um, you couldn't blame the demon for like other things that have happened in American history besides Salem, Witch. like you couldn't be like, well, this demon is responsible for like all the lynchings in the South or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't really get into that. Like, like more uh, cases in real, like American history of like innocent people being like burned or. Um, so, know, I mean, this show has decided not to do that, but for example, like the war of the world's broadcast created mass hysteria. Clearly this witch could have been involved in that. Right. Yeah. This monster. Uh, the, the idea that there'd be like razor blades and Halloween candy, right? Like could be yeah. in that. <laughs> the occult hysteria of the 80s or whatever. Yeah. Right, satanic panic, all that stuff. Yeah. Like that would give that monster pleasure just doing that. It's less, McCarthyism, no, right? That's a different thing. It's too political. Different demon. 
There's a cat butt on the screen right now. Oh, yeah. isn't there? Uh, Let so me angle that a little better there for you. There you go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So for the YouTube audience. Um, so Travis, uh, well, yeah. So like, this is kind of a weird monster. They've taken a Hansel and Gretel kind of as the seed idea and then Salem witch trials and just kind of awkwardly combined them into like, what is a satisfying episode in a lot of ways, but like the demon itself doesn't really work for me. Like I'm confused about it. Like I think, and I make a prediction about this, or I will, that like we're gonna see more fairy tale demons, but like this is like a fairy tale mishmash. And, I like, think part of it is what the show likes to do, or what the show's trying to do a lot of the times is it takes the fairy tale or the myth, you know, and turn it on its head, right? That's like part of their mission statement is like, like, you know, we're not gonna have vampires that are just fangs. We're gonna have vampires that are all forehead bumpy, and like we're gonna do a mummy, but it's not gonna be an Egyptian mummy, right? We're gonna do a Christmas Carol, but we're not gonna make it three ghosts. We're gonna make it, but like uh, a, just a pile of ghosts. Pile of ghosts. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like part of like how this show tries to like twist its like normal ar archetypes of monsters, right? But those, you know, the show also never super pays close attention to the monsters, right? It's always like, but I'm more interested in Buffy and Joyce, like. And their relationship, right? So it's it's always a thing that's a little bit frustrating when you're into the monsters on this show of like how it only like half gives you what you want. Like, well, it's like monsters can be really strong metaphors, you know, for a thing. And they're like, cool, here's the metaphor we want. And they're like, they're not filling in all the gaps to make it completely work. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it's there enough as a background so you can have all of the funny characters and dialogue and scenes. But the monster is broken. And I feel like it was true of the Christmas Carol one with the first evil also. Uh, broken monster, amazing story. <laughs> yeah. Like, I see what they were trying to do. Yeah. yeah I, for some this reason, could have been the first also. They could have just no. brought Yeah, the first, first would have... Yeah, just have did, the did, first, did, you, yeah. did you see? Yeah. I, so I thought this was uh, uh, basically a demon that wanted to get retribution on witches and then it manifests the Hansel and Gretel tale to exact that retribution. That was my thinking of, oh, why is this happening? But I can't, it must not have said uh, that this was demon, this was a demon that was wronged by witches or killed by witches. That's what I thought was going on. That's why I thought it came back every mm. 50 years. Yeah, I mean, it never says that. It never says I that explicitly. I'm, I'm just trying to rationalize why does this happen? Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I got, so not, I don't know, if, I got really annoyed with the first evil because it's it's like oh, that's that the the first evil the first evil ever to exist and that's how you got like <laughs> I feel like it's had time to manifest itself a little bit better and from a from a story writing perspective they kind of lost a good opportunity to have the first evil because like I feel like mass hysteria isn't is kind of one of the ways that evil really does manifest in a very insidious way that could have been uh, just a, like, they didn't have to kill the first evil in one episode. This is kind of what I'm saying. Like they had an opportunity to really make that a good recurring thing to fight and they could have done that here, but they chose not to, so. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a lot more, I think you're totally right that the, like the thing about mass hysteria that could be more interesting to explore is that everybody who's involved in this like, in the burning of the witch or whatever thinks that they're righteous right that they they're so caught up in it they don't see they're on the wrong side um and that's something to explore on a 
show like this that has demons and has like literal evil right to like you're not killing the demon you're killing like the innocent people um and maybe we can explore that more i don't know i think i think that could be explored in the future all right cool so uh we'll move on to the next question here uh travis i feel like you kind of talked about this uh, retribution thing a little bit yeah, yeah we're done yeah with that yeah. okay uh so elizabeth you want to talk about joyce's speech yeah so is this her way of trying to take back her parental control? Cause like when she's saying like, you know, this is for, this town is for the monsters and the slayers. Like, first of all, there's only two slayers. Okay. So like, <laughs> and one and of them isn't even in this episode. One of them's not in this episode. And the other one's your daughter. So is she that desperate? like for her life to be normal that and this goes back to like how this monster manifests right so like are they under a spell like do they put these people under a spell or is this just the fervor of the mass hysteria whipping them and finally saying like yep let's kill our kids that sounds like a great idea and so is she just more susceptible to this demon because of her like she's almost feels like she's being pushed out of Buffy's life she's she's not necessary as a mom we've seen already that her mom is kind of like this role reversal and like it's okay mom I hope I wish you didn't have to see these dead kids mom like um well when you say it like that I feel like you know you're you're absolutely right like the whole town wants to return to being normal and this is like this hysteria is like yeah we'd like an end to the vampires and the bullshit right uh, though you're totally right also it's like yeah so the town would like to reassert control and then Joyce would also like to have control over her kid right like the trick that Dennis is talking about with the dad it's like oh uh, tell me about Wolverine it's like oh this is what you do like Joyce is probably already planning something <laughs> but she goes about it in such a shitty way yeah like I mean basically telling her like you're doing a terrible job as the slayer I mean we don't even need to get into like the Watchers Council's role and all of that. This doesn't come <laughs> up. <laughs> but but yeah, like I mean, she totally tears down her daughter in every way, shape, and form in this episode. Um, yeah, and I, it I starts at the can, beginning. You can say Joyce was definitely under the spell at that point, and she probably was under the spell before anyone else, right? Because she she found the bodies first, so she's probably under the spell from that point on. Um, but we saw her staring at the bodies when the cops came in the exact same position. I don't know who called the cops. And why, when I suddenly cops were called, since when did cops get called in Sunnydale? <laughs> you think if uh, Joyce was there, Buffy would have just like, buried the bodies and be like, time to investigate. <laughs> like cut off the hands to show Giles. <laughs> uh, but like, I think you're like, I think that she is under the spell, but the spell is manifesting all of the issues Joyce already has. It's feeding those issues to her as larger. Turning yeah, turning it up to 11. Yeah. Well, one thing we didn't talk about was when Joyce, first, a, shows, oh, when Joyce first shows up at the school, she's like, Buffy, I had such terrible dreams last night. I thought to myself, mm. maybe Mama Joyce has kind of Buffy's strange magical dreaming powers, or that in, maybe that's how things get, get amplified. That's just, when the, the ghosts are in her brain. Yeah. I was like, oh God, those dreams. Yeah, I guess that is kind of where they're saying like, this is where she's been infiltrated. Mm. was in her dreams the previous night. Interesting. Yeah, but those are, those are good analysis of what's going on with Joyce and of bringing it to the like being upset about 
for the role reversal that happened, like trying to get the power. But, you know, at the point where you're like punishing your daughter by setting her on fire, you've gone too far as a parent. Have you though? <laughs> is that the well, limit? Is that the limit? Right. Is there is there anything ahead of time though that we could maybe, that could be like, well, you know, you know ahead of time? Grounding is fine, right? Okay. Uh, and Listen, then what's- A lot of corporal punishment's not gonna work on a Slayer. Um. <laughs> yeah, chloroform burned at the stake. So, oh, God. Uh, the next is a question for Dr. Travis. Uh, Dennis Allman asked this one here. Uh, should you slap a tra head trauma patient until they're awake? Just curious, uh, uh, dear Dr. Travis. This might come up <laughs> in my daily life. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely should not. I like how it comes up in your daily life. I like how I like how Cordelia, you know, pseudo pseudo predicts the chronic the <laughs> chronic traumatic encephalopathy, the CTE in, in professional <laughs> health players. It's not mentioned for another decade. And then she's like, you know, all this repeated head trauma, you're gonna wake up in a coma or you know. <laughs> words, but she's like, calls out repeated head trauma is not a good thing, which is just so amazing. I'm glad she finally called it out, though. It was oh, yeah. getting a little extreme. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they were coming up with all these excuses to get Giles out of every episode yeah. for some reason. So they hit him on the head, goes on vacation, <laughs> like all this stuff. He's a teacher. He can't afford that many vacations. Clearly, it has to be head trauma. <laughs> I don't have that many vacation days. Just knock me the fuck out. Or it needs to be an alternate dimension. There you go. That's another way to get Giles. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, next question is for uh, Dr. Landis, I believe. Hello. That's right. I say, what kind of 90s share screen program are Oz and Willow using? <laughs> oh, I looked at that. That's, that's crazy. Uh, I, I was trying to figure out what browser they were using. It's a, some kind of crazy full screen browser program that makes no sense. Uh. But in, AOL, like AIM was a thing in 99. Yes. So, I mean, obviously they weren't using AIM, but they could have been. I, are they sharing like their screen or, or are they just on the same website? I thought they were sharing their screen because Oz said something like that. He's like, we're hooked up. We'll see what she sees or something like that. Yeah. Well, Willow is on a, like her, uh, her power book. She's on a Mac and Giles's computer looks like an IBM from the eighties. Like it's really clunky looking. I had that same computer when I started college. Okay, it's not that old. <laughs> Thank you very much. Wait, which one, the laptop? I had no, no the, the desktop. <laughs> no, the desktop. I think, yeah, yeah. Probably shouldn't have said that. I went to college the same year as you did. So. Okay, I got the line here. Oz says, "We don't need a phone." Okay, we're linked. Yeah. I think at that time they definitely. So I guess yeah, it's some kind of screen sharing. When was RDP invented? I don't know. It's a black and white photograph, gains resolution slowly. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the article, like you could see it immediately, but the photo of the kids took forever to load. You know, first of all, that is totally not how it worked, as we all know, because there'd be a paywall for any newspaper article from eighteen ninety nine. Well, I, I like that yeah. Like that. Somebody scanned in a newspaper article from like sixteen forty nine also. <laughs> a German article in English. <laughs> the Sunnydale the Sunnydale News website. <laughs> so terminal services came out with uh, windows nt which i think would have been out at this time um but the Just first like, ISP. 
the first version of RDP as we know it was not really out in, until Windows 2000, it looks like. So that probably would not have been out yet. But what, what uh, we, how much did we say were those laptop cost? Was it $5,000? Yeah, we think, I don't remember. I looked it up. Yeah, that is a, it, I think it's like 5,000 in adjusted dollars, like adjusted yeah. for inflation. It was, yeah, yeah Lou has a very serious power book. She's got a kick-ass laptop. Yeah. But she also has parents that completely ignore her and she gets straight A's. So I think that's where the power book come from. I bet oh, it's yeah. mom's. Oh, yeah. yeah, no doubt. Uh, Parental guilt right there. Do we want to talk about the spell again? I, don't, I think we got this kind of thing. Um, Travis, you have the next question here. Uh, oh, this, which is like jumping ahead of a prediction that um, I totally have. But Okay, yeah, let's skip, my, let's skip that then. Let's skip it and just do your prediction. Okay. No, okay. I, I actually, I, I do think we should talk about that point though. Okay. Like yeah. there's no connection between the supposedly murdered children and these teenagers. Like. Oh, that point. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know who made that particular note. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the question here is like, what's the connection between the murdered kids and teens and all the, are the adults under a spell? I think they're under a spell of some kind. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, they're under a spell, but why those like, well, is it just the, these are the teens they could get their hands on? Yeah, because these teens are the like out. The witches. They're the out and proud witches of the town, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Presumably in Sunnydale, there's other witches hanging out, like a shit ton. But these kids are uh, really just... Accessible. Everybody knows. Like, obviously, like, everybody knows Buffy's a slayer, right? Like, that's that was indicated that the jocks were afraid of her. Like, it's the people who are living their lives out and proud, um, different from the mainstream, that get attacked in these um, things. So I ask, um, do you think Der Kinderstad, who's the demon in the hospital episode that kills children, and Hansel Gretel demon knew each other? I oh, ask because you. they're German demons that emigrated to America and Sunnydale at some point, and they both have uh, the big uh, overbites. So I think they might be related. Nice. Uh, and that's all I got. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's no demon social club as far as I'm aware, so I don't know how they would hang out. Germany's a big country, Dennis. It's not like all German demons know each other. I, I just wanted to know who, which stage were. I didn't mean to interrupt your oh, oh, <laughs> intro. No. Uh, and they both also have like um, special invisibilities and yeah. are focused on kids in some yeah, weird children. way. Yeah, exactly. So they're just similar demons, although one wears a hat and the other wears nothing. Yeah, he was like half naked. Pretty gross. How was how was Giles's German, Mike? Oh, I mean, it's all fine. It's all it's the regular sloppy German that everybody has. It's fine. My pronunciation terrible. <laughs> Let's sloppy go back. German. I'm just being silly. It's fine. Uh, I think doesn't he just say Hansel and Gretel? What else does he say? Like he he like does a spell at him in German when he like makes yeah. them appear again, doesn't he? Uh, well, let me bring up that section. I'll tell you what it says. It didn't I mean, it just wants to be, I, I feel for like, if you're used to being able to pull up reference for everything and you can't do it anymore and you're like, I got to actually remember how to do this thing. I got to actually remember the spell. Fuck. Oh, and do I want me to tell you, uh, you know why they, that uh, I forgot, I, did, I should have told you guys why whenever they say something in, a, in one of these funny languages like Latin or other languages, 
it's always the real thing because they basically write down what they want to say in English and then they pay the studio pays a translator. So that's why oh. there's not, not, nothing you know, silly hidden in, the, in there. Oh, okay, so here it is. Uh, so so something like uh, demons show yourselves. Oh, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm calling on a pow- the mock the mech to the power of uh, Queen, Hecate. Yeah, Queen. Uh, who's protecting of the, the witches. Hecate is uh, uh, the goddess that Amy calls on. Yeah. Say, Hecate has been invoked several times. In the masks are away going. The masks are being, <laughs> going away. And the evil uh, the evils have a face of... Le- the evil has an evil face. <laughs> <laughs> have, we, have, we heard, have we heard the line from Xander where he says, Hecate, or he says, enough with all the Hecate already was that was that in the uh the, the that's novel? that's in the witch isn't it it's up with the hecate yeah i think well, that's, that's there's, that's a, the there's a line i really like later on that's like hecate hates that oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right is that so, why I, oh, oh nope, good nope you good no do it is this a spoiler because what i just said was a vague spoiler Oh, cool. Uh, then, all right. Uh, so, Dennis, you have the next uh, kind of question here um, about uh, Amy. Yeah. Do you think Amy meant to turn herself into a rat? Um, I assumed yes, but now that you mention it, maybe not. Because, I mean, she is a teen witch. They can make mistakes. Uh, and she used the exact spell offensively before, or her mom did? Yeah. In her body? No, that was her. Oh, that was her. Oh. That was when she's a witch and she's in love with uh xander oh that's right oh i screwed that up in the summary i remember that from the wrong episode i think she meant to turn herself i think she knew that that was her best way of escaping but i like that buffy's like or will is like you couldn't have done us first like (laughs) like um yeah because she couldn't turn everybody in the room into a witch or into a uh into a rat necessarily because there was a lot of people she would have had to turn into a rat that's and true. then she'd still be tied up. It wouldn't have helped. <laughs> I know she could have just turned Joyce into it, and Joyce is the leader. Just yeah, turn Joyce. The whole mob could change. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think turning everyone else into a rat would work. But as we know, um, you know, turning back will be scandalous <laughs> when that happens. Whenever it happens, is that why Hecate was like didn't change her back because um because she'd already been caught on too many times by giles and her and one and one thing she's like look i'm tired i'm tired you guys have already asked too much of me this day i also feel like willow would just have a better would have a better chance of the spell working if she would put on like a persona but she's just like reading the lines she's just being willow like you got to be like put your heart and soul into that really make your magic work right no wonder it's not working and also, where's boy witch Michael in this? Yeah. That would have helped. Oh, yeah. He's hiding. probably he's, hiding he's, in Giles's office. Yeah. Like, terrified of the world. Maybe he's just done being a witch. He's like, look, not, it's not worth, worth it. it. <laughs> yeah. Not worth it, bro. Well, that is the end of our group questions. We're going to move on now to themes and deep stuff. These are the uh, more episode-related, the heavy questions uh, that this episode brings out. So uh, we'll start off with uh, John. You have the first question here. All right. Joyce gives her speech, and I can't be the only one who thinks this, that Joyce has a lot of good points in this episode, even though she's crazy. Sure. Like, first Just of all... Just because people have good points, though, doesn't make them, like, right. Like, you can use special yeah. truths. 
But there are takeaways that are not taken away by Buffy and the gang, I feel like. that. Um, so, like, um, so she points out, like, so first of all, she's the only one who actually does seem genuinely upset that there are dead children. I mean, she's right that Buffy is really shrugging that off and doesn't seem to care. Uh, and she's like, she's, you know, she's upset by it. And she points out, like, why keep that a secret? Who does it serve to keep any of this a secret? If there was public information about vampires and that if you just stay inside in your house, you will not get eaten. There is no downside to that. There's no downside to people talking about it. I think though Buffy does make the point though of like, yeah, these kids are innocent, but like the guy who works at the bank, he deserves so is Mr. it. Mr. Sandeman. Well, right, which, which I think that's on Joyce's side. That point is on Joyce's side. No, I, I think that's I two think, different points you're making, though. I just like, think if, like, the thing of, like, uh, Buffy shrugs off the deaths, I think to her, she feels all the deaths equally. Okay. You can't, if that's you're going to be fighting in a war, a war with vampires nightly, you can't, like, be, like, devastated every night, right? That's fair. That's fair. Well, and and the whole idea of, like, staying in every night, I mean, I think we saw that in The Wish, that that's not a good situation either. Um, you don't want to have that have to happen. But public awareness, I, I do think that public awareness, especially in, on a hellmouth, I'm not saying like you make national broadcasts, but public awareness on a hellmouth might be helpful. But explain to me like why not make national, like why not have, like why not put it on Nightline? Why not, why not actually Mass have hysteria, a discussion about it? Dogs and cats sleeping together. I mean, if there's, it's not hysteria if because it's real. Because that's the fucking show, John. <laughs> but, like, I know, but like, okay. If there really are monsters eating people on the regular, then a lot of the, I mean, no, you shouldn't burn witches, right? But like, it's not crazy to suggest you might do something about that or at least discuss it. Well, I think they're kind of on the precipice of the big conversation happening, right? Because this is the first time it's happened. And then we've seen the wish where, you know, in a world without Buffy, like clearly it's been discussed. There's curfews. You don't go to this part of town. Like there is some kind of conversation even locally. So right. It's like, I think it's society on the precipice of having the conversation like things, uh, you know, it's, you know, you want to say a phrase from this year, the new normal is X, you know? Yeah. Like, like they haven't accepted this as the normal thing yet. And so that acceptance is a challenge. So they haven't discussed it. And it's like, they're about to, or the show is about to address that, you know, after three seasons or whatever. So it definitely does need to be addressed that this isn't like a normal thing. But right. like, I, it, I, what Dennis says is like, yeah, it's so true. Like it's a show. And if the show addresses it, it becomes a different show. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because then it could be about these national events. And like, it's, it sort of does get addressed. Like, so for instance, when the, the secret agents come and they are like, uh, in the invisible girl, they recruit her, right? There's some national awareness, you know, there's like an X-Files kind of vibe to this area. Like, right. I love that. I, I think that Sunny, Sunnydale is a special place where this stuff is happening. Though, I guess in the, the Wish universe, right? Like Giles is calling Cleveland, right? So right. it's like this thing is apparently contained to this area and then it could expand and get worse. But then Faith is also, you know, like fighting her way across the country. <laughs> so There's like, no reason to think it's, it's, it's contained to Sunnydale. There's reason to think it's worse in Sunnydale than on average. 
but there's no reason to think it's contained to Sunnydale. And in fact, we know that all of our vampires have led vampire lives in other cities. We right, know, in Ireland and yeah. stuff like that. Like, and yet we have two slayers living in Sunnydale. One of them is just slumming in a, well, and this, in a yeah. motel. This is the other thing that Joyce says, is that like, how much good are you doing really? Which I think is a legitimate question. Although we know from the wish how much good she's doing. Like we, we know how Buffy much she's doing. Again, we know how much good she's doing in Sunnydale. Dude, but I don't know what's going on with you lately. It's psychotic that you, <laughs> that you are questioning our beloved leader and her struggle against the night monsters. <laughs> I, but like, you know, it's, I, I think her point is, is, is valid, especially I think it really is a critique of the Watchers Council that Buffy yes. as a resource is not deployed in any way strategically. <laughs> so the Watchers Councils can go on retreats, but they can't give their, <laughs> their slayer, their sing, theoretically a single slayer, a stipend. Maybe like to live somewhere other than a shitty motel room. Or in her mom's house. Or her, they like, really need to be funding the Slayers. It's ridiculous. I think, I think, but then with national awareness of conversation where people know about Slayers, maybe they would get some funding. Like you could get it from yeah. the national government. Joyce's point, I think, sort of that would just is be regulation and red tape. Handling this with a single hero makes no sense compared to the idea of handling it as a community. But yes, Buffy isn't a single community. You know, she is. She isn't a single person. She has her friends, right? That's yeah. like which we discussed. But a larger. But no Slayer ever has. That's what makes her so successful. Mm -hmm. Is like Slayers always die young, and granted, she's still young. Some Slayers, is, you know, but but there's a reason why like they're tapping people that are 15, 16 years old because right. like all the other Slayers that you've already tapped are dead. Yep. Because they have no community. They have no one to like help them with it. And Buffy is, has a community and Joyce is just kind of, I'm with you, John. Joyce is just kind of pushing to this next level of like, hey, we should get the actual community involved in this. Yeah, I mean, obviously um, she crosses a line into crazy town when sure. she decides to burn people at the stake or whatever. But like, um, I, th and I think that um, the larger thing I like, I don't know, this episode as a teacher really got to me <laughs> because um, the, there's this uh and i know that this episode is is talking about some things that have literally happened like satanic panic or just general anti-occult bullshit from um so-called concerned parents or religious nut jobs or whatever it's hard for me though not to read this as a metaphor for all kinds of things where i'm worried about kids um and so if you look at like so like are you, you worried at, that he-man is a satanic show uh, i'm not worried about he-man but like you know we, I, I do worry about kids growing up with social media, for example. And I think that's a good, that's a good analogy, even though this is obviously not about social media per se, but like uh, there's this tension between looking at those things in terms of, uh, they call it the, like the protection empowerment sort of spectrum of like looking at uh, technology, for example, as something that empowers young people versus looking at it as something that threatens them. Mm -hmm. And both of those things are true, like all the time. And I think this episode points out that when you look at things in terms of how do you protect kids, that puts you in an authoritarian mode and it has all the problems that are, you know, sort of inherent to being an authoritarian. But it's hard, like when you're an adult who works with kids, it's really hard not to be authoritarian when you're an authority, right? Um, so I really like, 
felt for Joyce in this episode because a lot of the time I feel like that's a that's a balance I'm trying to hit because for ex as an example one of the things I do in my job is we use a company to filter student email and report to us when they're using naughty words right uh, oh my God. I now again and to be fair the kids I'm talking about here are young I mean they're you know we're talking about fourth to seventh grade right for that and that's the kind of thing I think when I first started teaching that I would have thought was horrible and and uh, super 1984 and creepy. But on the other hand, there have been so many instances where we found out about a bullying situation or an abuse situation or a kid who needed help because uh, a flag word came up on their email, right? Same thing with like surveillance cameras in schools, right? Uh, it's creepy to think that we're watching kids on cameras, but then when you have the instruct, like the instructable teachable moment where like you bring a kid in and they're like, I didn't do anything. And you show them the video of themselves punching somebody in the head. That's actually really helpful. It's actually a really helpful tool. And when it's deployed in a way that is geared towards helping the kid and not as like, you know, like a punishment mechanism, I think all of those things can be beneficial. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, it's hard to just say, you know, parents don't understand, which I think is the, the tone this episode strikes more than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but like, it is the job of adults to protect children. And so, so what do you think about the, the locker searching then? Well, um, I do want to talk about the locker, locker searching. Uh, I, I, so with high school students, I think that they absolutely, in my, if you're asking my opinion, I think high school students have the right to a private locker. They should have the right to a private locker. I think they should be considered their private space, like Buffy says. Uh, although the Supreme Court does not agree with that, by the way. So I looked this up. The relevant case, and this is what uh, um, uh, Snyder's talking about, I think. There's, uh, there was a, a Supreme Court case, New Jersey uh, v. TLO. TLO is the uh, initials of a student. And from 1985, where a girl's purse was searched, uh, because she was suspected of something. And they found evidence that she was selling drugs at school. And she, uh, and basically they, the, her lawyer wanted to say that that was not admissible because the school had no right to search her, her purse and her belongings. Uh, and the uh, Supreme Court actually found that schools have the right to search students within some kind of test of reasonability. You have to have reasonable grounds to do it. And uh, there's a, actually another case that came up in 2009 where a 13-year-old girl, this is horrible, by the way, uh, a 13-year-old girl was strip searched down to her underwear because they thought she might have ibuprofen she wasn't supposed to have, which is, and the Supreme Court found that that was not a reasonable search, obviously, and uh, sided with her on that one. And she won her, her, uh, her civil case against, uh, against her school. So you're, anyway. you're against the locker search. Yeah. From like, but it is like, literally, it's legal. And schools can use the do a locker search. Yeah, I like, tried to figure this out. It does get a little more complicated in California. Uh, so I got into like the some California Supreme Court has other rulings, and there's some specific laws in California about student uh, rights against searches. Um, but from what I found on the California ACLU page, uh, Snyder's search here was pretty much totally legal because it was really was random, and they because uh, they didn't single out. You can't single out a kid for searching without a reasonable suspicion is one of the one of the tests they have. So like, I can't just choose to search Mike Poley because he's shifty, right? But if I have a reasonable reason to think Mike Poley is selling drugs and I think I'm gonna find cocaine in his jacket, I have the right to search his jacket. But it's also uh, the police doing it, not the school. That's true, they do it with the police. That's a good point. I think that does probably change the map a little bit. Obviously I'm not a lawyer, 
uh, if we have any lawyers in the audience who know about this stuff, they should, they should contact us. Uh, <laughs> no, no lawyers. We don't. Need it's also, it's up. interesting. Part of the test of reasonableness though, is that they have to have a, a like a reasonable law. suspicion that someone's breaking the law or breaking the rules of the school. Mm -hmm. And if they're searching for witchy stuff, that would, in order for that to be reasonable, there either has to be a law against that, or there has to have been like a pre-existing school rule against it. I'm sure so, there's laws on the books against witches in Sunnydale. <laughs> so that, 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 I don't know. Or um, a witch-related murder for which you right. could get I guess, a yeah, warrant. Yeah, that's true. If they, yeah, if they think it's a murder weapon, there's like a murder weapon that they would find that's like a witchy murder weapon. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, it's funny, like teenagers have been murdered a lot, but it's not only when it's children do the police get involved and like does it get serious so only when moo pushes them yeah did anybody have their locker searched um in high school because i did oh. i don't think i did yeah what were the circumstances elizabeth i'm curious um so this would be jumping ahead down these questions a little bit but um i had uh this is like kind of going back to in april of 1999 after columbine and the uh the <laughs> the shooting and the trench coat mafia um i had my locker searched because i wore a trench coat and anybody that wore a trench coat uh, had their locker searched and i wore a trench coat so i went to the exact same high school that my mother went to um, and my mother wore that exact same trench coat in the 60s when she graduated. And it was one of those that like, I just, it was a rad coat. So I wore it. I was no longer allowed to wear the coat and I got my locker searched. And like, I think I had like the world according to Garp in there, which is a totally inappropriate book for any child to read. So like, um, yeah, cool. I was like 15, uh, 16, 15, 16 at that time. And uh, had, had my stuff taken. Wow. Yeah, we wore trench coats in high school. <laughs> I wasn't. I thought we were going to get into this in a later episode, but we can yeah. get into this now. We don't have to do this now. <laughs> we don't want to. But this is January of '99. Let's save it for uh, April of '99. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but we, I think we've all had the experience of mass hysteria that followed Columbine for sure. You yeah. know, like that just like accelerated so many concerns but so that's a really good example though of like i feel like if you were to if i was an adult at that time it would not seem crazy to be suddenly worried right it would not seem crazy to uh and, and the thing that this episode points out is that that concern you're gonna get it wrong right that because you're yeah. coming at to at it with this like this weird mixture of strangely like a mixture of like naivete and pessimism like you're you're pessimistic because you're imagining the worst possible thing is happening, but you're also totally naive about what kids are actually dealing with and the skills they may already have in dealing with it. Yeah, but I, I guess I like want to talk about just the symbol of the trench coat. So symbolically, okay. the trench coat represents this trench coat mafia and that the trench coat needs to be removed and that's the problem. Well, we know it's the kids are right. the problem and it's so much harder to see, right? I was such a problem child. No. I know you weren't, but it's like, it's, so, you know. Uh, well, I'm just, sure, I, I Dennis, you said from... you wore a trench coat. John, did you wear a trench coat? We all did. You yeah. guys yeah. all wore trench coats. Yeah. You guys as, were as all a... good kids. Like y'all were, I, I know. Well, we were okay. Like... Yeah, we were not. <laughs> we were good the, kids. The kids were going to You, but, you know, uh, um, yeah. But I've learned if I've learned anything from playing games of or also the outcasts of resistance school. and games where you have to guess who the traitor is, is that you're always 
wrong at first about who the traitor is, right? Like, right. Because um, uh, uh, right. when you first, like what you said about like, you're always wrong if you, the first person you guess is going to be somebody you have like a preconceived notion about and right. it's not that random draw of the card about like who's the werewolf or the spy or whatever. Um, and uh, like, I think it's an unspoken thing in this episode that uh, Michael is like, they come down on Michael probably because he seems effeminate or he seems yeah. gay. Yeah, and oh, it's no, like a gay bashing totally thing with Michael. And yeah, yeah, and like, it's not really because about the occult. They, they, like, people's other prejudices come, like, find, have found an opportunity to come to the surface. Yeah, totally. It's Gothic. Like, um, it's Gothic. I, I think the reason that Joyce's, Joyce's uh, I don't know, tone deaf moo organization is because she's cared so little about Buffy, it feels like. And then all of a sudden you turn, all of a sudden you show up and you have, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and do that. And mm. you say, you haven't been here for any of this. You really don't know what's going on. Just because you're the, you know, the adults, you're going to just change, change all the rules, even though you haven't really been playing the game at all. That's why I don't, I, I think to me, that's why. It, the Joyce thing is kind of, is funky. That's right, and that's, point. that feels like the way school enforcement would happen too, right? It's like, you haven't been paying good attention to the kids, you haven't been connecting, right. and then you're like, cool, well, we're going to put a uh, weapon screening, you know, we're going to have a metal detector at the front of the school now. It's like, spell detector. <laughs> spell detector. <laughs> Mandrake yeah. root detector. But like, you know, in the video game version of where I run a school and I just press the button that adds a metal detector at the front, you know, like without, you know, talking to kids or the implications of it, like that has a negative effect because now there's probably it's a greater chances of someone bringing a gun now that I've said that I don't want guns here because I'm saying that this is a place that might have guns. So like you, you raise the threat level when you react to perceived threats when there are no threats. So like right. it's dangerous. It's stupid to do if you, if there's no reason to do it. Like, I think I've complained. I mean, I haven't complained about this before, but like, you know, like my, uh, my neighbors, right? Like, I remember my neighbor talking to me. He was so happy. He was not happy, but he was proud because, you know, he pointed a shotgun at someone who was moving around across the street uh, in the in the kind of abandoned house next to us. The well was being built, and he's like, "Yeah, there's someone prowling around there." And I showed him like, and he took off. I'm like, I'm "Like, yeah, he's I, he." I didn't know how to say react. I'm like, "I don't, no, please don't do that. Don't raise the th perceived threat level." Yeah, yeah like, God. That's like you're creating, you're changing the atmosphere when you do that. Now that, not that saying that person's going to smash a window or whatever later, but like you've made that person more scared to be in this neighborhood. Totally. Yeah, like, just created an escalation. Yeah. So like Moo escalates a conflict like, like to a level, right? And then at right. least people being burned at the stake. I think there's, f you know, four hours of information, of content or a whole season of stuff that's missing before the stakes get, you know, <laughs> or the core form Buffy yeah. way too soon, but they're under a spell. You know, that's why. Yeah, I think the other, we gotta the tell other... the story in an hour. They don't have time for. If this was a modern TV show, yeah, this would be a full season. There would be an episode directed yeah. just towards all the witch tests. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The other the other big problem with this is the Moo acts like all the problem is. All the problems in the town are from the kids, but the, rea the reality is all the problems are actually adults. It's not the kids in society, and that's the truism like for our society nowadays. The children did not, did not create the problems of our society. They were created by the parents, the grandparents, and the great-grandparents. You know, so I think that's the other, the other big problem here is that, oh, we'll fix the kids. The kids are the problem. The kids were never the problem. Yeah, but arguably yeah. the problem that the adults have more than anything is ignoring signs of that the kids are suffering. 
and they're not addressing the real problems. Oh, I, I agree with that, but it, I think disciplining children again in real again in real life, it's hard. It's extremely hard to know as the adult what actions are too heavy-handed. Uh, there's a really fine line there because you really don't know what the kids are going through. You really like you really don't know how capable they are or not. Uh, I think it's I think that's an extremely difficult balance to strike. I think the the corollary for this episode is that Mike, as Mike said, the gun metal detectors in schools. That's not the solution for school shootings. The solution for school school shootings is limit access to gun and gun ownership. Well, I I think it's like we don't actually know the solution. I don't. Right. Like, let me. I think I agree with you on gun ownership, but like there's so many problems with getting to the information about why that's a pro why school shootings happen because no one wants to accept responsibility that they miss something. The police don't want to accept responsibility that they didn't, they miss something. The parents don't want to accept responsibility. And so people are more willing for them to be random and for us not to understand and get into it because they don't want the blame to reflect back on them. That's and right. So like you have to do such an intense investigation that I think has yet to happen even for shootings because no one wants to look back at themselves and make themselves responsible like that there's you know, these you get to the crazy conspiracy explanations and other stuff like getting like getting to the where did the kids come from like it turns out it's an insanely complicated and hard to understand monster that like oh once every 50 years we sort of understand we are at the beginning of understanding how this monster works we don't understand its true motivations we think that it might get power from scaring people like if and this is like my hype my theory here i think the monster is like the school shooter that's like so hard to comprehend and like they're attacking at it from completely the wrong angle. Mm -hmm. And like, we need to interrogate the monster, not kill it. Then Buffy kills the monster before we can even discover its true motives. Like we'll never, we'll never know. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. This is a, I don't know how you guys feel. I feel like we could skip the rest of themes pretty much. Cause we've been really heavily talking about it for a while now well, then uh, we should just at least say the, the one thing i would say is that we hear the, um, the mission statement for buffy angel buffy talk and the reason why do we fight it's not to win because we fight because there's something worth fighting for so i think i th i would just highlight that okay yeah so yeah this is like a mission statement for the show all right so we're going to wrap up themes and we'll move on to uh, predictions. Uh, okay, so let's move on here to predictions. So are there any predictions that get wrapped up by this episode, John? Uh, there's a couple things to touch on. Uh, so in season one, episode nine, Mike predicted that Willow will continue to be under threat because she is smart. Now this isn't, ex what happened in this episode is not precisely what Mike was talking about. There was a pattern, uh, particularly in season one, where Willow was like, her character was the genius, and uh, that seems to have been relaxed a little bit. Um, but she was constantly being victimized, partly because she was, you know, the genius character. We're gonna eat the smart. The monster's gonna eat the smartest kid in school, or whatever. Uh, what do you guys think? This is a version of that. Is she being? Uh, is she think, under threat because she's smart? I think she might be under yeah. threat because she's a witch, which might be a new set of predictions. But she's yeah. a smart witch. She reads. She, she reads. But Amy's under threat. Michael's under threat. Are they smart? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe, maybe um, the threat is coming from her mother. Like, um, because she even said, like, I, I've never messed up ever before, not even once. And this one thing, mm -hmm. you're... And, and maybe if she'd fucked up more in her life, she would not be... Her mom would be more cool right now. 
Um, I'm going to say that that prediction's still open. I don't feel like she was. In, I mean, I think without reading, in, you know, into the text, I don't think we can say that she was under threat just because she was smart. Yeah. Uh, in season two, episode one, Mike predicted that Giles will lose his job at Sunnydale High School. That did not happen in this episode, but I kind of wonder why not. Because, like, obviously Snyder hates his guts and, like, wants the pull strings to get rid of him. And, but he's, he could just fire him. It's probably within his power. I don't know if there's, like, a union, but... Uh, let's see. In season two, episode 17, Mike predicted that the next time we see Willow's room, we will see fish in it. That was already denied in a previous episode. I just wanted to point out that we saw Willow's room again. There's still no fish. Okay. <laughs> just rubbing it in. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, this is one we should have, I feel like, wrapped up like a while ago, and I think I just missed it. Way back season three, episode five, Mike predicted that Buffy will not pursue another teacher recommendation. That was part of the conditions of her getting back into school. I feel like if we were going to see that, we would have seen it. I think we can just give that to Mike. Yeah. The point was we just weren't going to see it. So. Right. But we, I, I think that, so much time, yeah. that one yeah. should well, be confirmed if, by what now, if right? When she gets her like uh, diploma, it says like failure to get teacher recommendation. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we can just give that to Mike. We're just going to confirm that one. All right. Thank you. Yep. All right. So you ready for new predictions? Hold up a second. Okay. I just want to point out that before we confirm that one, you are at 60, excuse me, 68.25. That one's confirmed. Uh, oh, Giles and Joyce will not talk about hooking up ever again. They didn't talk about it, right? They just sort of alluded to it. Uh, Mike also predicted Giles will not have long-term effects from being knocked out repeatedly. That was discussed, but it didn't happen. <laughs> no effect, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So, then we've touched on some things Mike has predicted, but nothing really confirmed or denied except for this sort of old one. Uh, so, when we confirm that one, Mike, that puts you up to 68.75. So, you're back up to 69, dude. <laughs> Why do you say it, Mike? Because <laughs> that's, uh, that's how Bill and Ted say it in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure oh, at, uh, at the Circle K. <laughs> I thought, I thought I was just using that voice. I did not get the reference. I got the reference. I, yeah, it did not need to be explained. Uh, okay, so I I've got... I what we said to each other. Well, let's find out. <laughs> That's like how they trust the other them, right? Yeah. 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 Give my love to the princesses. All right. Uh, okay, so here's the new so predictions. New predictions, yep. Okay. This is maybe needs to be broken apart into multiple statements. Fairy tales are real. There will be more fairy tale villains. The fairy tale formula is there will not be a typical villain. It will be fairy tale character plus whatever story idea they're trying to jam through. So I don't I don't have the formula figured out exactly. But Okay, so more fairy tale characters is part of this prediction. There will be more fairy tale characters as villains. Can we just leave that as villains? Okay, yeah, but they're not going to be like it won't be the big bad wolf, right? But it might be the big bad wolf, but he could be invisible, you know, and a werewolf god, you know, like the, Stiltskin, but you know his name. Mike, just <laughs> leave it. Okay. <laughs> More fairy tale characters as villains. Yeah. All right, great. Non villains, right? Uh, villains. Joyce will can will try to understand Buffy again. <laughs> And she will comically and adultly misunderstand her. Got it. <laughs> Willow's mom is going to continue to ignore Willow and also not return. 
<laughs> so she's going to ignore her off screen. Is that what you're predicting? Yes. <laughs> off screen. How much she's going to ignore her. Yeah. Okay. She's going to ignore her so much. She's not going to appear on the show and again. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you uh, want to put that like a season frame on that? I mean, or just, well, yeah. we're going to handle this at the last episode. Last episode. Okay. Uh, Willow is not going to stop being a witch. Is that another? Maybe that's too season, obvious. Uh, full prediction, or full series prediction? I mean, this is not going to thwart her witchiness. Like, that's fine. Uh, Willow will master the four elements. Wait a second. So wait, we have a prediction that Willow is going to continue to be a witch? Yes. Okay. So if at any point she's like, I quit being a witch, you lose that? I don't think she's going to quit being a witch. I think a witch, she's chosen witch. Willow has chosen witchcraft. Willow is a witch now and forever. Now and forever. Okay. And then, so Willow will continue to be a witch, Mm -hmm. but also Willow will master the four elements. Yeah. The four elements. What are the four elements? Earth, fire, air, water. Duh. Where does heart heart? come into play? (laughs) (laughs) I actually have an answer for that, but it would be spoilers. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, No adult is going to mention the witch hunt again. It will be as though it never happened. That's a pretty reasonable prediction. (laughs) (laughs) Giles is going to be missing some important knowledge in the future because it was burned or taken during this time. Does that negate the adult acknowledging? No, uh, Giles is like part of the gang. Uh, I guess like like, like Giles is aware that the witch hunt happened, but like adults, sorry, I need to be more specific. You're Mm. correct. No non-Giles adult. Civilians. No no parent uh, Uh, will mention the witch hunt again. None of the people in Moo are going to mention it. Are you predicting that Giles does not have any kids? Oh, <laughs> right, because then he can't be a parent. Well, I'm just oh. saying, what if Giles has like a long lost child from his Ripper days? Oh, Randy man. Giles. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. The show might introduce a Giles kid, but I'm not going to fall for that. <laughs> Uh, Amy will become human again and it will be a scandalous reveal when she becomes human. Because she'll be naked? Yeah, she'll be naked. It'll be like hilarious. And funny, not hilarious and sad. (laughs) All right. Put that in there, John. Hilarious and funny, not hilarious and sad. Uh, No, not going to put that in there. (laughs) Uh, It could come up. I feel like Mike always wants to burden his uh, predictions with like 18 qualifiers where it's like, Amy will appear again, but she'll be naked, but not all the way naked. She'll be partly naked and she'll she'll be wearing wearing a a hat and the hat will probably be orange. Like, I feel like that's how Mike is like, just dude, just leave it. All right. Amy will get transferred back into a lady again. Mainly because I don't want to type all that up, but like, yeah. Is there a time limit on that prediction? Oh, I mean, Mm. by the end of the season, right? Like, Okay, in season three? Yeah. Amy, uh, Amy will become human and have a scandalous reveal in season three. That seems Got reasonable it. to me. Okay. All right. Uh, <clears throat> moving on then to, oh, unless there's any more predictions one add, it feels like a lot. Uh, I think we're good. We don't need to do a dice prediction. Cool. Let's go kill count. Uh, I had um, one vampire, one demon, and 14 fake dead kids, which is two every 50 years. (laughs) Math. (laughs) That is my kill count. 
Now, um, does that do the kids count if the if there's one demon? If it's the um, same two kids. I call them fake dead. Okay. Uh, so it doesn't really count. It doesn't count towards the overall ser series total of murdered bodies, but um, just something I thought I should list for this episode. It's actually surprisingly low body count. Actually, this episode. Yeah, I, I feel like the show doesn't actually really build up to the high body counts until like specific episodes. Um, that's one thing I found is I've been surprised multiple times at how low a kill count is. We don't know how many like kids with eyeliner were murdered in the streets. That's true. We also don't know how many he successfully killed, how many witches he successfully killed since 1649. Right. Three a year. Or if it's like he had good years and bad years, I don't know. You should look up how many people actually died in the Salem witch hunts, and like, and then multiply add that to your. Add that. <laughs> oh it's yeah, twenty. Oh, oh. So done. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of dead. Yeah. Well, so I think that you know Buffy, Willow, and Amy would have just been the opening gambit, because now you have oh, yeah. um, a good demon call. loose with uh, on a howl mouth with no Slayer, or just you know half half the Slayer team, only Faith. So, I think your kill count would have gotten much higher. Wow. Very interesting. I never thought about what would happen. Uh, okay, my recommendation, recommendations. I'm actually really pumped about these because I'm recommending all like movies I really enjoy that are about like the witch hunts and stuff. So, Witchfinder General, aka in America, Conqueror Worm, uh, is a Vincent Price movie um, from 1968. That's about the British Civil War, and like um, it shows like it's like Vincent Price's only horror movie where he's actually really scary in it. I love Vincent Price, but usually he's like funny um, and charming. And this is like about a guy taking advantage of the situation and just murdering, like going to from town to town, murdering women suspected of being witches. And he's like, you, it gets into like the economics of it and stuff. And it's just like a really good dark movie. Um, I recommend Twins of Evil, which is also really fun, but really dumb. It's a vampire movie, but it's Peter Cushing is like a pilgrim who burns witches and vampires at the stake. And like, it's uh, the third of the Karnstein trilogy from Hammer Horror. And it's got uh, the Collinson's twins who were Playboy's first twin models as a good girl and a bad girl, the Twins of Evil. So like they move in with Peter Cushing and you just get this kind of feeling of like, they're just gonna stay out one, late one night and he's gonna be like, well, you're a witch, time to burn like burn you to death. Like you just get this feeling like of how threatening Peter Cushing as the pilgrim is. Um, I recommend The Devils, which is a really great movie from um, 71 by Ken Russell, uh, starring Oliver Reed as a uh, priest who gets accused of witchcraft. And I mean, the mo it's a really great movie about like kind of the madness of mass hysteria and um, Vanessa Redgrave is this like sexually repressed nun who like leads the town against the priest and it's uh, causes like the fall of their whole world basically. Um, really great, totally crazy movie. And it's also one of the like most censored movies in history. It's like been banned in a lot of countries and it's really hard to find an uncensored print of it. Um, even to this day, it's hard to find like the right, the like, write one that doesn't have the like 17 minutes of non-hysteria edited out <laughs> uh so i recommend that uh what were my other recs um oh yeah the the new movie the witch the witch uh came out in like 2015 really good uh, that was totally good. solid um and i don't know if i you know the crucible i mean i think everybody 
Probably had to watch that in high school. It's good. Uh, I also, um, in non-movies, I recommend the photographs of William Mortensen, who um, Ansel Adams called the Antichrist. He was an American photographer that was really awesome. And he did a lot of like uh, photos, like he did like early kind of Photoshop work stuff. And he did like photos of like witches being burned and like like the occult and stuff like that. So, so I'm showing for the YouTube audience some of the like, like you might've seen this photo before. He does stuff like that. Um, oh, that's cool. I'll have to look into that. That's he's neat. a really cool one. And then in a non like unrelated thing, I recommend the Netflix series, The End of the Fucking World because it's based on uh, mini comics that my friend Chuck Forsman made. Um, I, went to, I went to school with this guy. He was like the first person in our class who got published by like Fanographics. And now he has like a fucking Netflix series. And it's really weird because it's like totally like accurate. And I'm like, I've read these in mini comic form. And now like I watch the show and I hear the dialogue that he wrote, but it's being said by like British kids because it was a BBC production. <laughs> So it's just totally weird, and it's um, but it's good. It's not related to witches, but it's about like if Harold from Harold and Maude was like a psychopath. Um, that's that's my pitch for what that show is about. <laughs> yeah, he's he's legit. I actually just uh, went to a book signing of his for his book Slasher, which was a fun <laughs> yeah. book that got published by Floating World Comics in Portland, um, and he was he was selling that book. Uh, also, the end of the fucking world book. Did you uh, say you knew me? Uh, no, I was too... Um, I was just starstruck because I'd read all his other stuff, so it was a little challenge. I ta- Revenger is really good, and I really love that. And uh, and then his other... But it, it's, it's interesting because his stuff's all very different. Like his yeah. Revenger work, and then The End of the World, and then he has another book uh, I can't name right now. He all is, so uh, different. Yeah, one he drew in like a Popeye style, which is also like a style I imitate sometimes. Like, uh, But it was basically like if X-Men was set in a real high school and was drawn in a Popeye style. That's like his newest book. I forget what it's called. Uh, but anyway, yeah. But yeah, his stuff's fantastic. That's amazing that you guys, uh, you guys went to school together. Um, I feel, we all feel that way when, uh, when we got your book in the mail, Dennis. So we're all equally. Uh, uh, thanks. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> well, cool. Uh, well, Netflix special for you. You'll get it. <laughs> Well, and then uh, it looks like Travis recommended The Craft. Only um, because it's a 90s movie. It doesn't have it uh, in witches, but it doesn't have the, uh, the persecution aspects here. I feel like we might have recommended The Craft before. We may know. have. Uh, sure yeah, so I, I think we actually recommended it like season one, I think Should episode probably one. probably always be recommending yeah. The Craft because <laughs> that's an amazing movie. I think we had a Sorry, long discussion of Feruza Bulk at one point. Yeah, oh, okay. well, that's bound oh. to happen. I feel like one time... <laughs> Mike said on Facebook or something like that he had just watched Ginger Snaps and your friend James Green was like, oh, what's next? The craft? And I was like, well, I guess I'm never going to recommend the craft. <laughs> I would not put those movies in the same category at all. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think I would either. Is is there an actress from Ginger Snaps in the craft? I guess it's just no. like it has that 90s vibe. No, but did you know that Bridget from Ginger Snaps plays uh bev in the original it tv movie i did yeah i that's crazy because in my mind those come from completely different eras but she yeah. plays a kid in both it's weird <laughs> yeah which would be interesting because i would i would like to they're not going to do this obviously but with the craft or with the the it sequel coming out which is them yeah. as adults if they cast like 
the surviving members of the kids as the adult. Oh, that would be great. They're not going to do that, but that would be great. Adult Seth Green play like. (laughs) Yes, they should have adult Seth Green. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Although it's not actually doesn't look anything like that kid. <laughs> yeah, he's actually shorter now than that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see that new it. That looks great, and I know it's, it's on all right. streaming now. I like the original. I like the the original TV movie better. They're we don't have enough good. time in the podcast to talk about that. We can talk about that later. Yeah, well, in the after hours podcast, sir, we talk about all the things that have been recommended and watch those, which would be fantastic. Buffy Virgin and after hours. <laughs> Virgin After Hours is pretty pretty great sounding. We call it Buffy Virgin Nights. I wonder if Seth Green would be willing to. Sorry, now I'm like stuck on this idea of Seth Green like starring in the new It. You shouldn't have put that in my mind. He was willing to star in an episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, so I think he'd be up for starring in a real movie. Thanks for listening to the Buffy Virgin podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at Buffy Virgin Pod, on Instagram and Facebook as Buffy Virgin. There's BuffyVirgin.com. You can subscribe through iTunes and on any podcasting app that you might have. Uh, Please buy my book, <laughs> Land of Many Monsters. It's on Amazon. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dennis Comics, Instagram, Dennis St. Comics, etc.